I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, coming to the end of our study of the life of Abraham. We'll read the first 19 verses. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word to us this morning. Well, back around Easter, I began this series on Abraham, on Abraham's life, and you may remember, if you remember that far back, that I attempted to write a sermon on this very passage for Easter Sunday because of the inferences to the resurrection that are in this passage. However, as I told you back then, uh, it just wasn't happening. I was trying to write that sermon, and, and I decided that the sermon needed to cook a little more. And uh, so here we are again. This week, and I began to study this passage once again, and that same writer's block occurred. 
And when I would sit down to my study of this passage, it was like every fiber of my being was crying out, do something else, anything else. Words with friends. Check on the Auburn Tigers. See how they're doing. Read another book. Find some articles on preaching. I had the hardest time getting this sermon going. I wrestled with these thoughts and wondered, why am I having so much trouble with this passage? And at first I thought it was because this passage is a very important one in the Old Testament. You know, as F.B. Meyer wrote, So long as men live in the world, they will turn to this story with unwaning interest. There is only one scene in history by which it is surpassed, that where the great father gave his Isaac to a death from which there was no deliverance. Maybe I'm intimidated and I'm not sure where to begin, I thought to myself. Well, then I thought, well, this is spiritual warfare. Satan doesn't want me to preach on this passage. For some reason. Well, there's probably lots of reasons he wouldn't want us to preach on many of the passages of Scripture. And then self-pity kicked in. And I said, uh, I'm sure people aren't praying for me properly in this congregation. Because I'm really not feeling it. Well, then I realized that the problem was not with the passage. And the problem... Well, the problem was not with the passage. It's a great passage, no doubt. It's a very rich passage. The problem was not with Satan and spiritual warfare, though that certainly is occurring on a weekly basis. And the problem was not with you or your lack of prayer. Well, I'm not accusing you of that. Which I certainly need your prayers, and that's a real understatement. No, the problem was with me, was with my heart. My brain, the preacher in me, says, I love this passage. This is a great passage, so interesting, so rich. There's so much here. But my heart says, I hate this passage. In my heart, I just don't like this passage. And it's not for the common objection people have nowadays with God telling Abraham to be involved in child sacrifice. God never intended Abraham to follow through with that. The passage makes that clear. No, what I don't like, rather what my heart does not like, is the implication this passage makes for my life and your life. Well, I don't mind it for your life. I don't like it for my life. Because it strikes at the very heart of my sin nature and your sin nature. As I studied this passage, my heart squirmed because this passage tells me that there is nothing that God cannot demand of me. He requires total dedication and love. He commands that everything be under his authority and not my authority. If I am his, then my life belongs to him. My time, my money, my gifts, my resources, my family, my leisure, my comfort, my recreation... My job, everything belongs to Him. There's nothing which I can withhold from the Lord. And that is a problem. You've heard the saying, I will give up my gun when they peel my cold, dead fingers from around it. usually see it on a bumper sticker from an NRA member. Well, there are certain things on which my heart and your heart 
has a death grip. You know, you, you may not even be able to perceive it because the, the heart and the mind has this way of shielding you from thinking about things you don't want to think about, things that you don't want to see. Uh, when you think about, you know, I really should change my behavior over here in this area or that area, and it's something that is beloved in your heart, you don't really go there. You don't think about that. You might even be willing to give up many things for the Lord. You know, you, you think, well, I don't want to think about over here in this little area, but look at all this other stuff that I'm doing very well. You know, you look at Abraham. He gave up everything for the Lord. He, he sacrificed his life for the Lord. He left his home and family back in chapter 12. He didn't even know where he was going when he set out. And God, no doubt, has Abraham. Now God asks Abraham for his son. And that's a different story. You'll notice here, in verse 2, it says, the word provide. Not verse 2. In verse 2, he says, sorry, I've lost my passage. Abraham says, or does, pack everything up and go. Verse 2. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. You see there, God is saying to him, take your son, your only son, because at this point there is no backup plan. Ishmael has been sent away. He has no other sons. It's only Isaac that remains, who is the child of promise. And now he's saying, sacrifice him. Take him. And, and he's affirming that, yes, he loves him dearly. Abraham loves Isaac dearly. Now, God is asking him to do this. And we have to ask ourselves the same question. Is there an area of your life where you have consciously or even unconsciously said to God, off limits? You can go this far, God, but no further. But look at what Abraham said when, when God did demand his son, what he did. Verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning. I mean, the next thing, take your son, your only son, and go to Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. So he, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. You see, Isaac was not off limits to the Lord. This son, his only son that he lured, that he loved. Can you imagine that three-day journey to Moriah? Three days, donkey step after donkey step. Abraham having to think about what God had called him to do. How was Abraham able to do this? How was he able to give himself and all that he had to the Lord. Well, as we know, Abraham was the great example of faith. Abraham trusted God with everything. It showed, which we see here in verse 3, by his obedience. He responds the next morning. Gets up early, 
packs it all up, gets ready to do what God has told him to do and heads that way. But it also shows in his words. When Isaac asks in verse 7, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham provides. Abraham replies, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Now that word uh, provide there in the Hebrew is an interesting word. It's literally the word to see or perceive. To see or perceive. And you see it's repeated there three times because at the end, again, Abraham says the Lord has provided. And on this mount it, it is said that the Lord will provide. So that word provide is, is repeated three times in this passage. It's a very uh, broad word. It means uh, basically to see or perceive, to have vision, to understand or regard, to look at something and take note of it. And so what, what Abraham is saying here is that God sees the situation and he understands the situation. Abraham, um, Isaac's asking, where's the lamb? God sees God knows, God perceives. To illustrate this point, say for example, you worked at a store and uh, you encountered a, a difficult problem for which you had no solution. Well, a, a wise course of action would be for you to go to your manager and say, uh, take a look at this. You, you Take a look at this. Now, you know that you just you want him to do more than just look at it. You want him to to do more than just run his eyes across the paper and look at the problem. What you're expecting is the manager to give you some direction as to how you can solve the problem. You're seeking a solution. And when Abraham tells Isaac, the Lord will see, the implication is that the Lord will not only see, but provide a solution to the problem. Abraham knew that God had promised that through Isaac the promises would come. And now God is telling him to sacrifice Isaac. And that's quite a quandary when you think about it. How are the promises going to come if, if Isaac is dead? But Abraham trusts the Lord. And he says, the Lord sees. The Lord perceives this situation. He knows what he's doing. And he will provide. See, it, it really is a, a statement of faith because when you translate it just, the Lord will provide, well, that's a, that's a true statement, but when you say the Lord sees, there's faith in that statement. Not only do I, I see, I know that the Lord sees and I trust him to see the situation and to act upon it. So that word has a little more faith in it than you see from just the English version. See, the Lord sees, he perceives the situation, and he provides for the situation. Abraham put his trust in the Lord in every area of his life, even in that area that was most precious to him. It was very important to Abraham and in any man in that culture to have an heir, to, for someone to pass down the inheritance to. And it was very important uh, even for Sarah to have a son. We've talked about that in the past. Culturally, it's very important, but even more than that, 
God had promised that he was going to bless the entire world through Isaac. And so now it seems that that is in danger. But God sees, God understands. Abraham put his trust in the Lord, even that which was most precious to him. What about you? What about me? Do we trust the Lord with our entire lives? Is there an area that you have said off limits to the Lord? Have you turned the keys to every door of your life over to Him? Now that begs the question, why should you trust God? You know, Abraham trusted God. Uh, I would say we have a, a, a bit more light than he had. You see, Abraham showed his love and dedication to the Lord by being willing to offer up his only son. Look at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now I know that you fear, that you reverence, that you respect, that you hold in high esteem God, that you rank God ahead of everything in your life. You've just demonstrated it by not, by not withholding your son, your only son, from me. Now, thankfully, God did not require him to go through with his sacrifice. But Abraham was willing to do that. He trusted the Lord, and the Lord was more important to him than anything else. If, if Abraham showed his love and dedication to the Lord by being willing to sacrifice his son, God's love and dedication to you was also proven by his willingness to sacrifice his son. And except he did go through with it. And it was near this very same spot, Moriah. Moriah was the spot in Jerusalem where the temple was built. Centuries later. And just outside the city, where, they, where, this, where this almost sacrifice happened, Jesus Christ's sacrifice happened. He became an offering, a sacrifice for the sins of of his people. Yes, indeed, Abraham, a lamb was provided. Once again, the Lord saw, he perceived the problem, and he solved it himself. He provided. Father, where is the lamb? God will provide for himself the lamb. The lamb that takes away the sin of the world is the one that he provided. I love the verse in Isaiah 59. It's also in Isaiah 63, I believe. Same sentiment. Of the Lord it says, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. I love that. God looks down. He perceives there's a problem. Lost humanity, living in rebellion against him. Those who have offended him are wallowing in the mire of their own sins. And God looks down and he, he wonders, how are these people going to be saved? And he himself, with his own arm, brings salvation through the death of his own son. 
Can you trust someone who is willing to lay down his life for you at a moment's notice? Certainly you can. Absolutely you can trust him. One like that surely has your best interests at heart. If he asks for your life, would you not trust him with it? Abraham did. You see, in addition to the ram that was caught in the bush, there was another sacrifice made that day. There were two sacrifices made in Genesis 22. It tells you about one of them. It doesn't tell you about another one specifically, but it happened. There was the ram that was caught in the bush that was used there for the burnt offering in the place of Isaac. But also, Abraham made himself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And it was his reasonable or spiritual worship. Of course, I'm quoting Paul in Romans 12. After Paul lays out uh, how merciful God has been to sinners like you and me, in, in the first 11 chapters of Romans, he gets to chapter 12 and he changes and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, all that I've just told you in these first 11 chapters is I've outlined for you how God has been merciful to sinful people and what Christ has accomplished by his death on the cross and through his resurrection. As you reflect on the mercies of God, I appeal to you, to respond by presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And that means that you have given not just your body, but your life. That's what the word body implies there. Your whole being. Give your whole being to God. Do not withhold anything from Him who has given everything to you. There is no better safer, more comforting place to be than completely in God's hands. The one who is willing to lay down his very life for us. What is that area of your life that is off limits to the Lord? Turn it over to him. As we come to the table this morning, think about how much he loves you as we remember Christ. We remember the great sacrifice that he made for you. And remember that one who loves you that much can be trusted with everything. And he has every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places for you. Why would you withhold yourself from someone like that? So, yes, I did actually accomplish a sermon, even though my heart didn't want to. Because in the end, it helps me realize that hanging on to certain things and wanting to do my own thing in certain areas of my life that may not be to God's standard is not good, not, not honoring to the Lord, but is not good for me. It's not comfortable for me. It's not in my best interest. God has my best interests at heart. And giving myself completely to Him in every area of my life uh, is not a... Not a sacrifice that shouldn't be made. It's a sacrifice that should be made and should gladly be made as I reflect upon all that the Lord has done for me. Let's pray together.